Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you feel the same way too. Hope you're happy to be in God's house. Are we happy to be in God's house today? There we go. Excited to have everybody joining us online as well today as we close out this series that we've been in studying the book of Hebrews. This series has been called Better, Better, a four-part study of the book of Hebrews. If you've missed any of the weeks, I would encourage you, uh, go on our website, cornerstonechurch.info. You can listen to our podcast there. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find us on YouTube, plenty of ways, uh, however you would prefer to catch up, but you can catch up with our past weeks there. But let me just give you kind of the summary of what we've been studying, of what we've been looking at as we've been diving into the book of Hebrews. The main thrust of the book of Hebrews, the main thing that we've been focusing on is that the book of Hebrews talks about how Jesus has come to change our lives for the better and for forever. Jesus has come and he's changed our lives for forever and for the better. I wanna read just one more time. We've read this piece of scripture every week of this series, Hebrews chapter one, verses one through three. This is what it says. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to his son as an inheritance and through the son, he created the universe. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. That's who Jesus is. He is the exact picture, the exact representation of God. If you wanna know what God is like, Look at Jesus, look at his character, look at the way that he talks, the way he interacts, and that's a perfect representation of what God is like. And that's what we looked at week one of this series, how Jesus is the better picture of God for us to see. The second part of this series, we talked about how Jesus offers us a better covenant, which that's a really biblical word that basically just means a better way of relating, a better relationship with God. Jesus offers that to us. And then last week, what we looked at is what that means, what it actually plays out uh, in this new relationship with God, what, what that looks like for us. Now, today, what I want us to talk about, our title for today, our title for today is Better Things. Better Things. Somebody say Better Things. Better things, there we go, better things, better things. We're gonna be talking about what the better thing is that Jesus wants us to experience in our life. After all, it's the name of the series, right? Better. And what we're gonna learn from scripture today is how there is a better out there that Jesus wants us to know and to experience and to live out in our lives. So if you have your Bible and you got a sermon notebook, let's go, let's dive into God's word today. We're gonna be starting in Hebrews chapter five, We're also gonna be reading from uh, Hebrews chapter six as well. I don't know if you know this, but the chapter markers, they were not in the original manuscripts of scripture, right? Like they they weren't divided by chapters. And so a lot of times we can feel like a thought ends with one chapter, but it doesn't. It actually carries on and it continues into the next chapter. That's what we're gonna see today as we start uh, in chapter five of Hebrews. We're gonna be in verse 11, and then we're gonna read all the way starting into verse six. So this is what the author of Hebrews says. There is much more we would like to say about this, this being the previous five chapters, the previous five things that has been discussed, which is namely, 
who Jesus is, why he's a better representative, a better picture of God, uh, why he's a better mediator of this new covenant, this new relationship with God. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying is, look, there's so much more we would like to say about all of that, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Welcome to Cornerstone Church. <laughs> I would like to explain this to you, but since you're so dull, right? Like since you can't understand what's going on here, um, don't shoot the messenger. It's, it's scripture saying this. But he's saying, man, I, I wanna explain this. I wanna go in more, but man, you, you can't even understand it. Look at what it says, verse 12. You have been believers so long now, you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and can't eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know to do how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Chapter six, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and internal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward into further understanding. Skipping down to verse seven. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and it bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But, a field bears, but if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. I just wanna stop right there real quick because that's such an important point. You notice what it says? He will not forget how hard you've worked for him and how you have shown your love to him, not by ingesting yet another Bible study, not by reading another book, not by listening to yet another podcast, no, but by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. What we're gonna be seeing today as we study God's word is this truth. You and I, we will never see the depths of God's promises by staying in the shallow end of our faith. If you want to truly experience the power that lies in the promises of God, the true transforming work of Jesus Christ, I promise you, if you wanna jump into the depth of all that, it's never gonna happen as long as your faith is content to just live and to swim and to be in the shallow end. So if you're ready, let's bow our heads, let's pray, and then let's jump in. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be with us today as we study your word, that you would do exactly what you say your word will do, that as it is preached, that as it goes out, it will not return void. It will set out what it accomplishes to do. And we know that it's going to work today, God, that as your word is preached, we are going to hear it. And that those of us who don't just hear the word, but do the word are going to see life transformation like we couldn't believe. We're gonna see ourselves change. We're gonna see ourselves become more like your son, Jesus. 
So God, help us as we do that. Help us to get out of our own way for us to be able to be present right here, right now in this moment to hear your word, to allow it to penetrate our hearts and our minds and our souls and our spirits so that we can leave this place different people than we came in today. And God, as you do that, we'll be sure that nobody else gets the praise. Nobody else gets the glory. Nobody else gets the, the, the worship except you because you alone deserve it. We lift all this up in your name, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, why don't you just high-five the person next to you real quick. Tell them you're doing better now because you've seen them, because you're here with them, you're in their presence, right? It's good to be in God's house, good to be with fellow believers. Hey, today, I wanna let you know as we start off today, I've been having a lot of conflicting feelings this past week, like just very conflicting feelings, feelings uh, that feel diametrically opposed to each other, and yet I still have them both. I'm holding both these feelings at the same moment. So we're, we're in the middle of March Madness. I don't know if you're anything like me. If you, your bracket's toast. Don't even try to act like it's not, because if you filled out a bracket, it's busted. <laughs> it got busted like two games in this year. This year has been a crazy tournament. I saw uh, on ESPN, they had 20 million brackets filled out, 20 million brackets filled out, and I think it was by the seventh game there wasn't a single perfect bracket left, which is just absurd, right? Like it's this, this year, the madness has been put into March Madness. Like it's been a crazy year. Um, one game in particular, there's been a lot of good games, but one game that I particularly relished was the Indiana Hoosiers versus the Kent State Golden Flashes. Because you see, I'm a University of Akron alumni, and so I loathe, I detest, I despise the Golden Flashes. And so when I saw... Indiana knocked them off, I gave myself a little hug. I'm like, oh, yes, this is good. <laughs> God is pleased today in this moment, right? Like, I don't, I don't like Kent State. I, I just don't. If you're a Kent State grad, no ill will between me and you. We're good. We're good. But I just don't like Kent State, right? I, I'm a big Akron guy. So I was, I was happy. I'm like, good, okay. I don't want don't to hear it from Kent fans if they won. So I was happy. But in that exact same moment, I felt depressed, like, man, Akron, <laughs> like, if we could have won in the MAC tournament, that would have been us playing Indiana probably, and just the matchup, it felt like a kind of, like it could have been a favorable matchup for the kind of team that Akron has, the kind of team that Indiana is, I'm like, man, I'm not saying the Zips would have won the tournament, but they could have got a big win here, that does a lot for a program, a smaller program like that, so I was happy and upset at the exact same moment. These two diametrically opposed ideas and feelings existing at the exact same time. Uh, not just that, another thing that I was thinking about this week is just how my kids are getting older. Uh, like it hit me that this year, my three kids are gonna turn 10, seven, and four. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. And it's, and it's exciting, because it's, it's fun. Like it's fun seeing their, like my, my oldest, Eden, seeing her personality change and seeing new little things that she's interested in. And it's, it's just fun. Like she went to a Pokemon card club this last week. Like it's just, it's cute and it's fun seeing all these little changes. So it was, it's exciting. It's also terrifying. <laughs> like I started to realize, I'm like, whoa, pump the brakes. 10, seven, and four, 10? I'm gonna have a 10-year-old? Like that's, it was scary. And so I'm starting to feel like, whoa, I'm excited, but slow the heck down. Like stop growing. Let's just pause on this for a little bit, right? I'm feeling both of these feelings at the exact same time. Uh, last example of it, we've got our family vacation coming up in 62 days. 
But who's counting, right? Who's counting? <laughs> who's counting? Uh, I can't wait. Like, I can't wait. I'm so excited. And it's kind of frustrating because it feels like so far off like 62 days, like it's still, it's freezing still. Like we're not leaving until like late May and it's still cold here and oh, that's so far off and it's a long distance. So I feel like, man, I don't wanna have to wait that long. But then when I step on the scale at my house, (laughs) suddenly I'm like, only 62 days, like that's it? Like, oh, I gotta put some work in, right? Like I, I got a lot to accomplish in 62 days. That's not a lot of time. And it's crazy. It's, it's these two conflicting feelings, these two completely opposite feelings existing at the same time. Happiness and sadness, anticipation and worry. Like they're, and they're both existing. They're both happening at the exact same moment. And if you were paying attention while we were reading scripture, you heard that same thing at play here. Let me read this to you one more time. Hebrews chapter five, verse 12. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You see, what the author of Hebrews is pointing out right here is this thing, these these two things that seem so diametrically opposed existing at the same time. And what it's showing us is, you know what? I can be saved and stagnant in my faith at the same time. Like, I, like these two things can coexist. I can be saved. I can put my faith and my trust. I can give lordship of my life to Jesus. I can trust in him and follow him as my king. I can do those things. I can be saved and I can be stagnant at the same time. I mean, right there, the, the writer of Hebrews says, you have been believers so long now. He's assuming the, these people are, are believers. They put their faith and trust in Jesus but they're stagnant. Their faith has completely and utterly stalled out. He says, in fact, it's so bad, you, you should be a teacher by now, but instead you need reminded of the basic fundamentals of the faith. I can be saved and I can be stagnant at the same time. I know this to be true. See, I, I know this is true from scripture and I know this is true from my own experience because I've been there. I've been in these seasons of life where my faith just feels stagnant. It feels like, man, I'm not taking any steps forward. And and my faith, like if you've ever been in that period of time, you know your faith feels powerless. Like, is this even real? Is this even, is there a God? Like, does this even work? Uh, Like whenever we pray together or like we both mostly just saying like positive affirmations to ourselves to make us feel better, hoping someone's listening, but they're not really. You, You go through those seasons where you feel that way, where your faith is stagnant and it has stalled out and it's a terrible, awful place to be, a place where you feel distant from God, where even if you're like, no, I 100% still am confident that he's real, but man, I just feel distant. I feel disconnected from him, where worry and anxiety just rule your mind. In fact, I would wager a lot of money that what I'm describing right now, people who are saved but stagnant, who are put their, their faith and trust in Jesus, but feel like they haven't moved an inch in weeks, months, or years in their faith, I would wager there's a lot of you in here today. you joining us online today. That I'm describing where you're at right now. You're like, yep. <laughs> like I put on a good face during worship, I'm raising my hands, but on the inside, I'm like, I've been stalled out, I've been stagnant, there's been nothing really happening for way, way too long. <clears throat> And I don't care how long you've been following Jesus, it happens to you. 
In fact, that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions that we have in the church is that the longer you follow Jesus, the better your relationship with Jesus is. That can be true, but it's not always true. <laughs> just, just because you've been following Jesus for a long time doesn't mean your faith is suddenly in this incredible place and you're doing awesome. Man, you could be following Jesus for, for 10 years and you've been stalled out for nine of them. Right? You can have put your faith and trust in Jesus, but not all the way. And man, you're, you're sputtering. Your tires are spinning, and they've been spinning for years on end. You see, longevity in Christ does not equal maturity in Christ. The length of time you've been following Jesus does not instantly mean, yep, 20 years, and I've got 20 years of experience doing this thing. I've got 20 years of experience of truly trusting and really relying on God. It's just not how it is. Longevity in Christ doesn't necessarily mean maturity in Christ. One more time from verse 12, he says, you have been believers so long, you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. The author of Hebrews is like, man, you should be so far along by now. You've been, you've been a believer. You've believed in Jesus for such a long time, you should be teaching others. You should be writing a letter. <laughs> like, we should be reading one of your books in Scripture. Like, you, you've been falling for so long, but instead, you've been stagnant, and your faith is stalled out, and you're still in the same place that you were years ago. Longevity in Christ doesn't mean maturity in Christ. I have seen this play out, not, not pointing fingers, because it's played out in my own life, but um, there, there was a couple that used to go to our church years ago, like years and years ago. This is back whenever Pastor Brenda was uh, leading. Um, this couple went to our church, and Pastor Brenda knows I'm probably gonna, probably gonna butcher the majority of the story, but the end of it, the punchline, I remember it because it, you'll understand why. You'll understand why. So there's this couple that was going to our church for years, um, and they had neighbors who uh, they had gotten into some kind of dispute with. I can't remember what it was about, it might have had to do with, um, I can't remember if it was like a dog that there was an issue with or if it was the fence that was the issue or what, but there was an issue between this husband and wife who go to our church, been, a, been saved for years, been members of Cornerstone, <laughs> proud members, and they let everyone know they're members of Cornerstone for years, these people and the neighbors, and so they're having this conflict and they're constantly going back and forth until eventually one day it comes to a head. And the husband the guy who goes to our church, he yells across the fence to the neighbor and says, hey, you wanna know what your problem is? Your problem is you a-holes need to get saved. Except he didn't say a-hole, he said the word. <laughs> We're like, that's awesome, great. Yeah, that's, that's our next merch gear drop, right? That's our new, our new tagline for Cornerstone. Um, <laughs> Fool, we, let me tell you, we've had some things happen in our past. We've had, we had another church member who had come for years get into a fist fight that started with him witnessing to a guy in a car, and 15 minutes later, he's throwing down with this guy. I'm like, oh my gosh, please tell me you weren't wearing find the father of family <laughs> and a fulfilling future and these fists, like boom, like I'll give you all of them. It's, it's bad, right? Like it's bad. And all of these people, all these people had been saved for years. These aren't like new, I just started coming a week ago. Like these are people who were part of our church for years, some of them decades. But longevity in Christ does not equal maturity in Christ. You, you can be 
in Jesus for a long time, but if you don't let Jesus work in you, you can be the same you you've been for years. You can just be the same person you've been for years, stalling out your tires, stagnant in your faith because longevity doesn't equal maturity. It just doesn't. You can be in Christ for years, but not like Christ. You can be saved, but stagnant. And look, if that's you, I wanna let you know today, God is not angry at you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not wagging his finger at you. He's telling you, man, I designed you for better than this. Like, why, why are you settling for so much less than I created you for? I don't want you to be stagnant. I don't want you to stall out. I want you to actually live into the life I created you for. That's what God is wanting to do for us today. He wants to help us get out of our stalled out faith. And I would, I would say this, if you are someone where you're, you're feeling that today, you're like, yeah, my, my faith does feel stagnant. It does feel stalled out. This is what I would tell you and just accept this as I'm saying it. Your faith is stagnant because you stopped, not because God stopped. It, it, it's not stagnant because, well, God stopped meeting me or God stopped talking to me or God stopped showing up for me. No, <laughs> none of that is true. If your faith is stagnant, you stopped. You stopped. You stopped somewhere along the way. And we see this happen, sadly, a lot where people will come to faith and they'll find Jesus because of an addiction, right? They were addicted to porn. They were addicted to a substance. They were addicted to something. They knew they needed rescue from it. And so they come to Jesus and Jesus rescues them. But then they're content to just be rescued from that and they just stay there. They just stay in the shallow end. They just stay in the basics. They're like, well, I'm just content here and then their faith starts to go stagnant and they wonder what's going on and why God isn't speaking to them and why they aren't seeing changes in their life. We see people come to Jesus because of heartbreak, because of divorce, because of relationship issues. And so they find Jesus in that moment and Jesus helps them. And then they're content with that level of help. And then their faith starts to stall out because they stopped because they were content with where they were and didn't move and press forward, and then suddenly their faith starts to stall out and they're wondering what in the world is going on. We see it all the time. People's faith starts to stall out because they've stopped. Not because God stopped, not because God didn't show up anymore, but because we stopped. I see it happen all the time. We stop with the faith basics, and the fact of the matter is the truth that we see echoed in scripture, not just in Hebrews, but over and over again, is if you wanna realize God's best for your life, you have to move past the basics. Like the, the basics are great. The fundamentals of our faith are incredible, but there has to be a point where you realize, you know what, if I want God's best in my life, just the basics and the fundamentals, just Christianity 101 is not gonna be what gets me there. Like I, I need to take the next step in my faith. I need to move past just the basics of my faith. Again, I, I, wanna, <laughs> I wanna read this to you. And again, check your own Bibles. Check your own Bibles because this isn't me saying this. This is Hebrews 6, verse one. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Whoa. <laughs> like, like if there wasn't a scripture reference for that, that would sound like heresy. Like if I would've just came up here and said that and I wouldn't have told you that's in Hebrews chapter six, I would've just said, hey, we need to stop going over the basic teachings about Jesus over and over again. A lot of people would be like, ooh, that doesn't sound right. Like I need to check my Bible, that doesn't sound. But it's in there, it's in there. And I think the reason it's in here, I think what the author of Hebrews is trying to show us, what God's trying to show us, is that's how serious spiritual stagnation is. We can kind of play it off and we dumb it down. Like whenever we talk about our kids who aren't 
you know, they're, they're not living an active faith. Well, well, they're not, they're not following Jesus right really closely, but they love him. They love him. Like we, we use all the euphemisms and we try to talk about things in, in certain ways. And what scripture is showing us here, what God is pointing out is like, man, spiritual stagnation is serious. It's serious. This isn't some trivial thing. Just, oh, they'll get out of it. Oh, they'll eventually pass. This is something that we need to deal with. Because it is ruining our purpose. It's ruining what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives whenever we allow ourselves to just stall out and to just spin our tires of our faith rather than stepping out of the basics into what God has called us and designed us to do. Uh, it makes me think, has anyone, has anyone played around or heard of chat GPT, the AI interface? Ooh, it's spooky, man. It's, it's wild. It's wild. I, I've messed around with it a little bit, um, and there's been news reports coming out about it. Like, you're, you haven't heard about it yet. You will, <laughs> because it's going to, in the same way social media changed things, I guarantee you in a year, two years from now, everyone's going to know about this kind of stuff because it's so, it's, it's so game-changing. Uh, ChatGPT, it's an AI, an artificial intelligence interface that's available online that you can beta test. You can work around and see how it works. And it's wild. Like, it's absolutely wild. Like, Skynet is here. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. You, you play around in that thing. Some of the things that it's been able to do, they just released uh, uh, ChatGPT4, like the fourth uh, iteration of it. Some of the things this thing has been able to do are mind-blowing. Um, one person into the data input and this person is not putting code in or anything crazy. You can do this. Person just went in and was like, hey, uh, chat GPT, uh, I want you to from scratch create the game Pong. Like, you know, Pong little, like the boop, boop, the ball going back and forth. They, they said, I want you to create this from scratch, not go find it somewhere on the internet and then upload it onto here. Like, you on your own, create the data, create the inputs, create everything that you need to do to just create it on your own. Put that in, hit enter, within five seconds, there it is. Functioning game of Pong, right there. Just mind-blowing, right? Like, it's crazy. Another thing that uh, ChatGPT has done, someone uh, on, a, like, a napkin scribbled out uh, a website just to, like, here's the box, um, my joke website, uh, click here if you want a joke, and then they drew a little box with a button and said click for joke generator, did all this different stuff. They drew this on just a napkin, took a picture of it, uploaded it to chat GPT and said, create a fully functioning website that looks like this. Within 12 seconds, there it is. There's the website and it works. You click on the button, generate joke and it generates a random joke. This is a game changer. Like it's, it's nuts. Another example that this thing has done, uh, a guy, he's a journalist and he's, he's covers digital technologies and he's reading about it. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna try a, a study <laughs> He said, I went into chat GPT and he's doing this on Twitter. He's saying like, you can follow along to see how things are going. He said, I, I input into jet, chat GPT. I said, hey, I have a hundred dollar budget. I want you to help me make as much money as I possibly can over the next 30 days. So here's a $100 budget. I'm your human liaison. You tell me what to do. You're my boss. You tell me what to do. Let's see how much money we can make. So chat GPT on its own, creates an idea saying like, hey, you know what? Green energy is a big thing right now. You're gonna be the green guru. This is the website name that you should pick. This is what the website should look like. Here's what your logo should look like. Here's the kind of advice services that you offer. 
gave him all this different stuff. He just starts doing it, it allocates how much money from the 100 he should put here, should put there. In two days, he, he's turned his 100 into almost $1,500. It's so now people are like, wait, what was that website? What's that website again real quick? <laughs> right? Like, what? It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And the guy who's one of the key innovators, the key designers on this thing, was sitting down for an interview recently, and they were asking him about it. And like, what a game-changing technology this is, that this is like gonna revolutionize, like not technology, it's gonna re revolutionize the world, like everything. Everything's gonna be different once this really starts to catch on. And they were talking to him about it, and the one lady was like, so do you think the, the interviewer, who just didn't totally understand what's really going on here, um, the interviewer said to him, so like, so are you thinking that chat GPT is gonna be like a Google killer? like Google searches just won't be a thing anymore. People will go to chat GPT. And the guy who designed it starts laughing. And he's like, <laughs> no. Like, he's like, Google, Google is its own thing. And honestly, I don't mean any disrespect to Google, but that would be severely dumbing down what this technology is worth and, and capable of doing to have it just do a search, to have it just show me what I want to find. This is, this is a whole nother animal altogether. Do you see where I'm going with this? A lot of us, we are treating our faith like it's just a Google search. Like it's just, it's just this little tiny basic thing, right? Like, the, like, like holding up our cell phone and saying, hey, it's a calculator. There's a calculator on here. Like, have you seen the calculator function on here? It's like, yeah, that's cool. Do you know what else it can do? Like, do you know how much power you're holding in that device? Like the guy was saying, he's like, man, using, using chat GPT for a search function, that, that is like, you know, taking a Ferrari and never breaking five miles an hour with it. Like this thing has so much more power, so much more capability than just being used as a search function to find what you need to find. How often do we treat our faith the exact same way? as just this little thing to get me by with little cliches that can get me through the day or make me feel good if I'm feeling bad or if something scary is happening to, to, to try to rely on God. or Like, how often do we do that and just completely and utterly ignore the true power that lies in the name of Jesus? The true, like, life-changing power that is in his name, and we just, we miss it because we're so stuck in the basics we're just content with a basic faith, completely missing what Jesus has available for us. Realizing God's best for us requires us moving past the basics. We cannot get stuck there. We miss out on so much of the life that God designed us for and that God has in mind for us. And, and I think a, an area where we can kind of do this, where we can kind of get stuck in the basics is we can get stuck uh, just wanting more knowledge. This is a big one for, for churches. I gotta tell you, this is a big one for me that I've gotta fight because I love to learn. I'm a big learner. I love to read. I love to listen to podcasts. I love all that kind of stuff. And this is an area where we can trick ourselves into thinking that we're not stuck in the basics when we really are. Because we just, you know what? I, my faith feels like it's stagnant, and so let me just pop more information in there. Let me just give myself more information. Let me listen to another podcast and another one and another one. Let me just listen to another study and let me listen to another this and let me read another book. And we just acquire all of this information, all of this knowledge, which is which is good. Like, please, please don't make the mistake of leaving here today being like, 
Pastor Jacob said, no more Bible studies, no more books, no more podcasts, none of that matters. No, I, I listen to those, I read those, I love those, all of those are good, fantastic, wonderful things. But we've gotta just be careful that we don't confuse gaining more knowledge with suddenly that, you know, now we don't have a stagnant faith. Now I've got depth in my faith because I've acquired more knowledge. Listen one more time. This is Hebrews 6, 7 through 8. This is what we just read. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. This is an illustration that the writer is using. And the illustration, we'll, we'll kind of break it down here. The ground, the, the, the ground that is soaking up the rain. The, the ground is us. The ground is, is the church, is God's people. The, the ground that soaks up the falling rain. The falling rain is God's truth. It's God's word. It's the truth about who he is and who we are in relationship to him. And whenever we, the ground, soak it up and we do what we're supposed to with it, we, we soak it up and we do what we're supposed to, we bear a good crop. As it says in other places in scripture, we bear fruit. Whenever we take God's truth, we take the knowledge, we take it, and then we do what we're supposed to with it, it brings a blessing, it brings a crop, it brings good fruit. But whenever we take it and we just hoard it, <laughs> whenever we take it and we just accumulate it, but we don't ever do anything with it, our faith is useless, our faith is stagnant, and our faith is stuck. You see, this is the way that I worded it in my sermon notes. It doesn't matter what you believe if it doesn't affect how you behave. It just doesn't. You, you can believe all the right things, good for you. If it does not affect, if it does not have say in how you behave, it's useless. It's useless, it's, it's pointless. What I believe, what I believe should absolutely affect how I behave. Absolutely it should. Let me give you an example of this. This is a touchy topic to bring up in the middle of March. How are your New Year's Eve resolutions coming? <laughs> yeah, I heard a few yikes in the room. Like it's a, it's a scary thing to think about, right? And for a lot of us, I mean, they say by, I think on this date, it's somewhere close to 80% of people have given up on their resolutions by the middle of March, which is just nuts, right? Like about 80% of people have given up by now. Um, but I wanna ask you, if, if that's you, if you're part of that 80% that you've given up, did you give up, and you don't have to answer this, I'm not putting you on blast or anything like that, but if that is you, did you give up on those resolutions because suddenly you didn't believe that they were good for you anymore? Like, like back at the beginning of the year, the, the relationship that you knew you wanted to try to find, the friendship you wanted to cultivate, the, the weight you wanted to lose, the books you wanted to read, the, the business that you wanted to start, the money that you wanted to save, the debt you wanted to pay off. Today, today on March 19th, are you suddenly looking at all that and going like, no, actually, those aren't good things. I, I, my beliefs were wrong back then, and that's why I haven't fulfilled any of those things. Of course not. <laughs> Of course not. All of us, every one of those resolutions that we have not lived up to, that we've been upset about, none of us have given up on them because we suddenly realized we were believing the wrong things. No, our beliefs were, were strong. For a lot of us, we believe the weight we needed to lose back on December 31st, we just as much believe that today. But guess what? Belief doesn't lose the weight for you. 
Belief doesn't start that business for you. Belief doesn't pay off that debt for you. You can believe it's good and wonderful and that you need to do it all you want, but unless that belief is affecting your behavior, nothing changes. <laughs> it just stays the same. Like, you're gonna go into 2024 and guess what your resolutions are gonna look like? A whole heck of a lot like 2023s. And then the next year, and the next year, because until you realize, you know what? My behaviors, me making a list is never gonna change anything. It's never gonna make the changes that I wanna see happen in my life. It's only going to be behavior. And my word is that true when it comes to our faith. Yeah, great. That's awesome that you believe Jesus is Lord. Are you living like he's Lord? That's awesome that you believe he's king. Is he your king? Really? <laughs> because if we truly believe these things, it has to affect how we behave. It has to affect how we act. It has to affect how we treat people, how we talk to people, how we love people. It is not enough to just know God's truth. We have to apply it. <laughs> we have to apply it. We can't just hoard all this information and then never do anything with it. We've got to apply it. And this is what I love. Scripture doesn't leave us hanging here. Like it doesn't tell us, you know, you got to move past the basics. You got to move into further understanding and then not describe to us what further understanding looks like. Like scripture lays it out so there's no confusion on what our next steps are then, right? Like, so we don't have to sit here going like, well, you know, pastor said I need to go into the deep end of my faith, but what's that look like if it's not more Bible studies and more books and more podcasts? What's the deep end of the Christian faith truly look like? We see it in verses nine through 11. Listen to what it says. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. And our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and their endurance. The better life that Jesus promised, the, the deep end of the faith, the, the not a stagnant faith where I'm spinning my tires, but an active faith where I am becoming a better person and, and things are, are becoming more like Jesus and I'm sounding more like Jesus, that, the better life that Jesus promised is when I live to better others' lives. That is the better life that Jesus promised. That's the better things that Jesus promised is whenever I realize that my life and the way that I show my love and my care for God is not to say, hey, I finished another Bible reading plan. Did you see it? <laughs> but to take what I learn and actually apply it in my life, have it affect the way that I talk to other people, that I treat other people. The better life Jesus promised is when I live to better others' lives. And we see this play out all the time here at Cornerstone. We, we see it on a big church-wide basis every time we have our give and serve day. Whenever we have our give and serve day, our annual big day where we go out into the community and do service projects and we don't just do them without any kind of caveat. We let people know like, hey, we are, we're not just being kind here. We are loving on you the way we've been loved on by Jesus because we believe Jesus is our king and we wanna love all of the other image bearers of God in the same way that we've been loved by him. And so we're doing this for you. So we're loving on you. We're trying to do that for you. When we do that for people, it's, it's incredible to see the, the, the life that it injects. 
into the people who are on our Give and Serve teams. I'm seeing some of those people in the room right now who are like, yep, like I was on a Give and Serve team. And it's amazing. Whenever the Give and Serve day is over, people who have served are like, are there any other projects? Does anyone else need help? Like, what, what are you doing? Where are you going? Like, you need anything else? Because it's so life-giving to be a part of something outside of yourself, to be truly investing into someone else. It's almost as if you were designed to do that. <laughs> it feels so good and it feels so in tune with who you feel like you're supposed to be that afterwards you're like, feels like I'm supposed to be sacrificial. Like, who knew? Like, it feels like I'm supposed to live outside of myself. It feels like I'm supposed to show the love of Jesus to other people. That's because you are. <laughs> like, that is what you have been designed for and not just designed for, that is the deep end of your faith. That is, that is your faith truly being lived out in a real way is whenever you love others the way Jesus loved you, whenever you live to better other people's lives. That's why every time we have people joining together in prayer, it just feels, feels right. It just feels right. That's why whenever we have people who put together meal trains for people who are in need, it just feels right. That's why whenever we have people go and do home visits or hospital visits to people who are shut in, it just feels right. Right, because you are living out your faith the way it was intended to be lived out. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You're not living a stagnant faith. You're living an active faith. Let me put it this way. If you are not giving your best, you are missing God's best. You just are. If you're not giving your best to the people around you, you're missing out what God truly designed you to do. And I get it, the tendency, the tendency that we have in the church world is to say that the, the depth of our faith is in knowledge and books and reading, and that's, that's where deep end faith is. Like, if you're deep, like over here, we hold you on a high pedestal, but if you just serve, if you just give, if you just like do that kind of stuff, that's more like anybody can do that. Like anybody can go and paint a fence, anybody can go and pick up trash. Let me tell you, this is good. This is wonderful. This is where we learn about God. This is where we learn to understand this truth. But it's this side, it's the application that is the deep end of our faith. Let me tell you, this last thing I'll say in closing, there is nothing deeper than loving like Jesus. You'll never hear a more deeper sermon than that. You'll never hear a sermon with more depth than that. You'll never hear a sermon that requires more of you than that. Honestly, I could get up here 52 weeks a year for the rest of my preaching career and preach on nothing but that, and that would be challenge enough to love like Jesus, to embody grace and truth like Jesus. It is that hard. <laughs> it requires that much of us. It asks that much of us. But here's the thing. It's worth it. And when we start doing that, when we live out how we were created to be, when we live out our faith, how our faith was intended to be lived out, we realize we, we don't just make other people's lives better. <laughs> Jesus makes us better. We become better people. We become the people we always wanted to be. We become the people who, who we prayed that God would turn us into be, and it happens when we live outside of ourselves. That's the better things that Jesus has in mind for us, and it's available to all of us. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.